Right. Well, good evening, everybody. If you have your copy of Scripture, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to look at four words tonight. Exodus 20, our verse for tonight is verse 15, which if you were raised on the King James Bible says, thou shalt not steal. The English Standard Version says, you shall not steal. Both obviously mean the same thing. The the language is just slightly different, but that is what we are going to focus on this evening is the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Now, if you're older than... I want to say, well, I'm 34 and I have a memory from this year. So, right, so if you're my age or older or around my age or older, you probably have a memory from the year 1994. And all of our memories vary. I'm sure lots of different people were at many different stages of life in 1994. But in 1994, I started second grade. And when I was in second grade, I, I, I don't know why my school did this, but every morning... We had a, a cart that would, a student would go get from the cafeteria and it had either white milk or chocolate milk on it and a student would bring it to the classroom and the milk cost 25 cents and so kids could come up and they would give the teacher their quarter, they would get a, either a white milk or a chocolate milk and I don't know why any kid in second grade would ever get a white milk, but they had that option and then that same student would then take the drink cart back to the cafeteria and drop it off. And so that was just a morning ritual. But every single week, it was a different student who would take the cart from the cafeteria to the classroom and then back to the cafeteria. Well, I remember when my week came, I always wanted chocolate milk, but my parents didn't always give me a 25 cents, especially not 25 cents every single day to get a chocolate milk. And so I remember that week thinking, I've got an opportunity here. I've got the entire walk down the hallway to take a carton of of chocolate milk, right? I can open it in in the hallway while I'm walking. Everybody that sees me will just assume that I paid for it and I'll just be drinking it and I'll toss it in the garbage can right as I get to the cafeteria to drop off the cart. And so I thought this was a foolproof plan. Nobody's gonna catch me and this is gonna be great. I'm gonna get to drink chocolate milk all week. Well, wouldn't you know, the next week, the teacher calls me up. Says, Jake, we've got a small issue. The, uh, the money bag happens to be $1.25 short for last week. And you were the one who took the cart back and forth all week. You have any idea why this might be the case? And of course, you know, I'm caught red-handed and so I confessed and had to go home to mom and dad and tell them what I had done and ask for $1.25 to make it right. But that's one of my memories from 1994 because I got in trouble. I was guilty of taking something that did not belong to me. And I would venture to say, if we were to spend the rest of the night talking about uh, stories in our life or, or times in our life when we have stolen something, all of us have similar stories, probably from childhood, maybe even into you know, later years of life, we've, we've taken things that, that were not ours. But all of us, All of us have at some point in our life taken something that did not belong to us. And it's interesting that when we come to the Ten Commandments, this was given to the Israelites by God a long, long, long time ago. One of the things that God told his people is that you shall not steal. 
So that's what we're gonna look at tonight. I don't think we need to spend too much time trying to define what it means to steal. I think everybody has a general understanding that stealing is taking something that does not rightfully belong to us. The Oxford Dictionary defines it this way. It says, to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. All right, so the Oxford Dictionary adds a little something that there's no intent to return it. But again, I don't think we need to, to belabor the point of what stealing is. All of us have experience with it, either as a child, perhaps into, into adulthood, maybe we've stolen something, maybe we've been the, the other person, right? Someone who's been stolen from. But all of us are familiar with this idea of stealing. And I think one of the first things that comes to mind when we think about stealing is we always tend to think about physical objects or material objects, if you will. So in my example, the actual object that was taken was chocolate milk, because what second grader doesn't love chocolate milk? But when we think about stealing in general, I think our first natural thought is physical objects, right? Maybe a computer or maybe shoes or clothing or a purse or, or anything like that. And stealing obviously does include all of that and to take a material possession that does not rightly belong to you would be considered stealing. There are other types of stealing as well. And so when we think about this commandment, thou shalt not steal, we need to understand that it's not only limited to physical possessions. Now, I will say that when, when we think about the 10 commandments, one of the first things we need to remind ourselves of is the, the initial context who the initial audience was that was receiving the 10 words or the 10 commandments, right? And this, these are the Israelites. They've been freed from slavery in Egypt. They are now in the wilderness and God is giving them these laws in which they are to obey, okay? God had told them before that he was going to set them free or bring them out of Egypt so that they can serve him. Okay, and what God is saying in giving the Ten Commandments is this now is how you serve me for what I have done in delivering you out of slavery in Egypt. So I think a big aspect of the, the Eighth Commandment here is definitely dealing with material possessions. Think about being a community of people in the wilderness and that's all you have is one another. If this was a community that made a regular practice of taking one another's things that did not belong to them, that's not going to build a whole lot of confidence in one another. That's gonna actually drive some, some wedges between people and cause a lot of issues. So I think one of the things that is very clear from the Eighth Commandment is definitely material possession. Taking things that do not belong to us is a huge problem. It's a big problem. But thinking in our context, and, and this would apply to the Israelites as well, but, but I think it's very applicable to you and to me. There are other ways that we can steal things that are not material things. I think a big one is time. Now, all of us who are adults who have ever worked a job and, and perhaps even some of us young people that, that already have a job, one of the things that you'll find out about a job if you have not worked one yet is that there is this concept of you get paid hourly. Or, you know, there are circumstances where it's a salary set up, but there's still a set amount of time that you are supposed to give to your work in exchange for a set amount of money. 
And this is the, the whole idea of a, an employer-employee relationship. And one of the things that perhaps has crossed your mind before is, well, what if I just kind of shave off a few minutes here, a few minutes there, cut out a little early here, but don't change the time clock. I can get a little bit of extra money without working that little extra time. And we all perhaps are guilty of this in some way, shape, or form, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, showing up a little late after maybe you had somebody clock in for you or cutting out early or anything like that. It could be just throughout the workday. Are you committing the time that you are giving to your employer to the, the work that you have said that you will do? Or are you using that for your own purposes, for your own uh, agenda? Not working what you said you would do for your boss, but rather doing something for yourself. This is a very real sense in which we can steal time or in, in essence, stealing money because we're being paid for that time from our employer. And I would say that the 10th commandment, thou shalt not steal, would, would just as equally apply to that situation as it would to steal, stealing of material possessions. But I think there's another way as well. And I think this is a huge issue with schools, but also in, in the academic world, okay? Which schools fall under that, the academic world, but there is this idea of intellectual theft, right? This is the word that we have for this is plagiarism. I, I, I have a bachelor's degree and I think I remember every single professor that I ever had a class with at the beginning of the class, at the beginning of the year when it started, they said, hey, look, there's a section in the syllabus about plagiarism. Don't do it. It's wrong. You're stealing somebody else's ideas and passing them off as your own. It's just as bad as stealing a material possession of theirs and saying it's your own. And we need to be careful of that as well, right? To steal somebody else's thoughts or ideas and to try and say that they are our own is just as equally breaking of the eighth commandment as stealing a physical possession, right? And this happens within Christian communities, there was a, a popular commentary not too long ago that was published as part of a, a big major series and it ended up being uh, pulled back from the publisher because they, they found that there was a lot of plagiarism in this book. And so obviously you cannot reward an author for plagiarizing from another author. So they pulled the book out of print. You can no longer get it. It happens. People take other people's thoughts or ideas and try and pass them off as their own. Now, we could go on with lots and lots of different examples of you know, what, what stealing could be in lots of different situations, lots of different ways that this could manifest itself, but you get the general idea. The general idea is taking something that does not rightfully belong to us and saying that it is our own. <laughs> but this leads us to an important question. And that important question is, why is this one of the 10 commandments that God gave to his people? Why would God say that we as the people of God are to be a people who do not steal, who do not take things that don't belong to us? Why would that matter to God? I'm sure there are more than two answers to that question, but I have two answers to that question that I'm gonna share with you all tonight. The first being that stealing does not show a love for one another. Stealing does not show a love 
for one another. Or another way that we could say this is that stealing does not love our neighbor as ourself. So think about this. Think about being in the context of the Israelites. They're in the wilderness. God has freed them from slavery. And all they have is one another, right? God has promised to lead them uh, and he's doing that. God is providing for them. But surely they, they still are lacking some things that they would probably want or probably say that they need. Right? One of the things that you see when you read the book of Numbers is that they oftentimes remember all the great things that they had in Egypt, forgetting that they were slaves, and they complain to God and said, man, well, you know, we remember being in Egypt, having the leeks and the onions and all these awesome things to eat. And now we're just here in the wilderness with just bread And surely it would be tempting for them, perhaps see that someone else amongst their community has something that they don't have, and it would be tempting to try and take it. But to do that would not be a way of loving that person. Because to take food, for example, from another person would mean that you are making that person now go hungry or go without the food that they had planned to eat. Or even another example, let's say, you know, let's say it's me out there in the wilderness. I'm a very pale person, as you all can tell. If I spend too much time in the sun, I will roast. I will be red. I don't tan. Everybody tells me I just need to go out and spend a little more time out there to tan. I don't tan. I burn and then peel and then I'm white again. Some of you know that, that plight. But if I'm out there and, you know, I happen to take my shirt off. Let's say I got a long sleeve shirt to kind of protect my arms and my neck from the sun and all that. And someone were to take that from me, well, that then exposes me to exposure to the sun, right? I'm gonna, I might be coming in at the end of the day with blisters all over my arm, all over my neck because I don't have that shirt to protect me from the sun. So in that situation, if somebody were to steal from me that material possession, that shirt, that's not a way of loving me because that puts me in a position of being hurt by the sun, Got a lot of vitamin D, but I also got a lot of burns, a lot of, a lot of pain that's gonna come from that. And so I think the first reason that this is one of the 10 commandments is that God is saying to take from one another things that do not rightfully belong to us is not a good way of loving your neighbor. It's not a good way of cultivating trust between one another. You know, we could, we could come up with a lot of scenarios other than just food or clothing of how stealing puts somebody else at a disadvantage, the person that it's taken from. But it's important that we understand that there's a natural break in the Ten Commandments. And we, we've talked about this before. I know I mentioned it when I preached on the Fourth Commandment, that there's a natural break in that the First Commandment through the Fourth Commandment Okay, no other gods before me, uh, no carved images, don't take the Lord's name in vain and keep the Sabbath day. Those four necessarily relate to our relationship with God. And so those four are dealing with how we relate to God and then the next six, five through 10, relate to how we relate to one another or they deal with how we relate to one another. This is why Jesus summarizes the commandments by saying, You know, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we are in the second section there. We're at number eight here, you shall not steal, which clearly is related to how we relate to one another. How do we love one another? 
And clearly, stealing is not a way that we show a love for one another. And one of the great ways that we see this here in Scripture is the example of our call to worship passage, Acts chapter 4. You don't need to necessarily need to turn there, but I want to highlight verses 34 and 35 again. It says that there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. See, the early church was not a a group of people that decided, hey, you know what's best? Is that for those who are in need, why don't you just take what you need? Right? You see those around you who have extra or who have more than what you have, and why don't you just take what you need? Right? It wasn't that. It was that those who had more saw that they were in a position to meet the needs of others. Okay, So there wasn't this, this idea of just steal or, or take whatever you think you need. It was more so this idea of, hey, I'm in a position to be a blessing to others, so let me do that. Right? And they're selling their possessions and meeting people's needs all over the place. And that's what we see in the early church, which is an awesome concept. Now, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, uh, speaks to this idea as well. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See, the idea here with Paul is the message of the gospel is not just stop stealing. Right? That's not just one of the applications. Rather, on the flip side, instead of just stopping to steal, the idea is do good, honest labor so that you will have something to give to those who are in need. You see, God knows that the design for his people is not just, hey, I have a need, I see someone else has more than what I have, so I'm gonna take. It's actually the opposite. It's for those who have more, having eyes seeing and noticing those who have less and taking that opportunity to be a blessing or to give and to be generous. So the first answer to why is is this one of the 10 commandments, God has a desire that we would be a generous people, that we would love one another the way that we love ourselves. And so stealing would not be the answer to someone being in need. Rather, generosity would be the answer to someone being in need. Recognizing those needs and meeting those needs. That's one answer. And again, I said there's probably more than two, but I have two for you. And this leads to my second answer to that question, and that is stealing does not reflect the character of God. So the first answer to why would, why would this be one of the Ten Commandments is, well, stealing is not loving one another. But the second answer is that stealing does not reflect the character of God. And I think this ties directly with the third commandment as well, that we are not to take the Lord's name in vain. Andrew preached a great sermon on this. Uh, Marcus even mentioned it in his sermon when he was here. And it's this idea of we, we bear the Lord's name. So if we are calling ourselves Christians, as, as we all walk out of the side of this church tonight, let's just imagine that all of Fairdale is watching to see who comes out of the church. And they're taking note, right? And they're writing down, okay, Cedric is, is 
He's calling himself a Christian because he was there at the church. And Yosetis, his wife, she was there at the church too, so she's calling herself a Christian. And the idea is then they're observing our life to see whether or not we are representing God accurately or not accurately, right? And if we live in such a way that the Bible says we are not to live, such as commandment number eight, we're those who steal things, that's not bearing the Lord's name rightly. That would be bearing his name in vain. We are taking God's name on ourselves, calling us a Christian, but we're not living the way he has told us to live. That's hypocrisy. But the reason that that's important is because the way we live reflects what God is like to the world. Just as Brendan was saying in, in his prayer request with the, the coworker and the conversations that he's having, what's so important for Brendan is not only what he says about God to his friends, but the way that he lives, the way that he conducts himself, the way that he acts among them is going to speak equally loudly to what he says. Because if what he says does not line up with how he lives, then people aren't going to believe. People are going to dismiss what he says because his life does not reflect accurately the way God is. So the, the, the eighth commandment here, thou shalt not steal, does not reflect God's character. One of the things that you'll see throughout all of scripture, and I'm just gonna look at a, a couple examples with you, is that God is a generous God. I want you to flip back in your Bibles to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 10. And when I read this, you're probably gonna think, wow, that's random, what in the world? But just stick with me for a second. Genesis 2, verses 10 and following says this. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first was Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. Now, why in the world would I read that detail? Well, I think those are there because God is showing his generosity. Now, stick with me from the explanation as to why. God did not have to put gold in the ground. I don't know exactly what bdellium is. I Googled it and it, I don't know, it's something strange. But I know what onyx is. Onyx is a stone that's, I mean, if you've never seen an onyx stone, you need to see one in real life. They're amazing. I mean, based on how the light hits them, they, they're all very, super colorful. There's lots of different variations of them. They're, they're amazing. And I think one of the reasons that God put these things in his creation is to show, number one, how awesome he is, but also how generous he is. Because I think the reason that it's highlighted that there, that there are certain areas in God's creation where he's put gold and he's put bdellium and he's put onyx is that so that when people whom he has created in his image, when they find these things, they can share it with other people. They can share the good things that God has put on this earth with those that they live among. I think that's one of God's intentions for giving us good things like gold and bdellium and onyx, all right? But look back to chapter one as well. Chapter one, verse 29. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding its seed on the face of the earth, on the face of all the earth, every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. Okay, so this is God telling Adam that he has given him every type of plant for food. 
every type of fruit that has its seed in it. He's given it all to them for food. God could have just given one plant and said, hey, this is gonna be good, right? Whatever it is, maybe it's broccoli, right? But he gave a variety. God gave multiple different fruits, multiple different trees from which they would get food and fruit and all of those types of things. So God is being generous in, in his giving to mankind. And we see this even after the flood. Look at Genesis 9. Now this is an awesome verse. Uh, look at verse three. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So now we're able to have beef and bacon and steak and all of that, right? All of that's now included. And God is generous in giving these things to the people who are on the earth. And I think these are just a few of the examples where we can see that God is very generous in his giving to mankind, right? Even here in the book of Exodus, if you look back to Exodus 16, you'll see that this is where God first gives the manna from heaven. God is providing the bread that his people need to, to survive. You look at Exodus 17, we see that God provides water from the rock. He knows that his people need, need water. He knows that they're going to get thirsty in the wilderness. And so he provides that. God is generous in those things. And you'll see this as you study the rest of the Bible as well. Those are just a couple examples, but God is a generous giver. And one of the things that God desires for his people, which is why he gives the 10 commandments is that his people should reflect his character. And so if God is a generous giver, God desires his people to be generous givers. And the other, the other idea along with this is that it's not even possible for God to steal because all things are his. There is not a single thing that exists in all of creation that does not belong to him. So the idea of taking something that does not belong to him can't even be true of God. And so God desires in the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, that by obeying this commandment, we are going to be people who reflect the nature of God, not to take things that we don't own or that do not belong to us, but rather that we would be generous with others. You see, there are always going to be people that are in need. There are always going to be people who have less than what we have. And God has set up the world in such a way that we as believers have an opportunity to be like him in being generous to those people to see those needs and to meet those needs. You see, back in 1994, when I stole that milk, I wasn't thinking about loving my neighbor. I wasn't thinking about loving the cafeteria ladies. I wasn't thinking about the truck driver who brought that milk. I wasn't thinking about the factory workers who processed that milk. And I wasn't thinking about that farmer who's probably up at four in the morning milking those cows every day. I was just thinking about myself. And granted, it seems like such a small, insignificant thing that over the course of a week, it was only a $1.25 deficit. That doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But the reality is to take something that does not belong to us matters to God. Whether it's worth $1.25 or whether it's a CEO of a company who's embezzling millions of dollars. It matters to God. 
And you know what's, what's cool is that we just got done talking about how God is generous. In Galatians chapter four, Paul tells the, the churches in Galatia, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, there are some examples that we looked at here in Genesis and Exodus of how God is a generous God, but we also see God's generosity in the New Testament. We see it with the giving of Jesus, right? When the fullness of time had come, when the time was right, he sent his own son. Now, all of us are probably familiar with the crucifixion story, right? We just uh, celebrated Easter not long ago, and all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of the crucifixion. In two of these, Matthew and Mark, I'm sorry, in, in Luke and John, they simply refer to the people who are crucified alongside Jesus as criminals. Actually, I think John doesn't even say anything. He just says there was two people crucified with him. Right, but we all have heard the story. Jesus is crucified and there's, there's criminals on each side of him. But Matthew and Mark give us a little more specific detail. And Matthew and Mark both refer to, to these men who are crucified next to Jesus as robbers, implying that they are guilty of breaking the eighth commandment, that they are those who have stolen things that did not belong to them. That's the idea of robbing, taking something that does not belong. But listen to what Luke says about uh, the conversations that happened between these criminals or these robbers and Jesus on the cross. This is Luke 23, beginning in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, all of us are guilty of breaking the eighth commandment. To be more specific, all of us are guilty of breaking all the commandments. But we serve a God who's generous. And God gave even his own son so that you and me and the guilt that we have because of breaking the eighth commandment, because of breaking all the commandments can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. You see, that's what this criminal or this robber understood. He said, hey, I'm hanging here on the cross and I'm hanging here rightfully because I have done things that have deserved this punishment. But he knew that Jesus had not done anything that deserved that punishment. And the good news of the gospel is that all of us should be in the position of that criminal on a cross bearing our own sin. But what's amazing about the gospel is that the generosity of God is that he has given his own son so that you and I don't have to be in the place of that criminal. Jesus bears our sins on the cross. Jesus bore the sin of stealing that chocolate milk back in 1994 on the cross. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Meaning your sins are forgiven. They are washed away by trusting in Jesus. See, the eighth commandment is intended so that we would be like God. 
that we would reflect God's character accurately to the watching world. But the Eighth Commandment also exposes the fact that we've not measured, measured up. We've fallen short. But the Eighth Commandment also points to the generosity of God and giving of his own son. And if you will look to him, he will forgive you of all the guilt that you've ever had over stealing something or taking something that did not rightfully belong to you. He will do it. Look to his son and he will offer forgiveness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the eighth commandment that thou shalt not steal. God, on its surface, it seems so very basic, but as we look upon it and as we think upon it, we realize that it's an invitation for us to reflect you to a watching world. God, help us to be people of integrity. Help us to be people who understand that you are the one who provides for us, that we don't need to take something that does not belong to us, but we will trust that you will provide. God, we thank you again for Jesus and the generosity that you showed in giving him and him dying for our sins. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.